Well, thank you. Here's to you guys. Thanks for coming out. Um, this is Tales from the Script Keepers, and it is a panel about writing a horror series in Canada. And uh, I'm delighted to be here to be your moderator. And I have to my left um, three terrific writers. Um, I have, uh, we have Aaron Martin, we have Jackie May, and JP LaRock. And I'm going to quickly uh, ask them to introduce themselves. Starting with me. Uh, my name is Aaron Martin. I created a show called Slasher that's on Netflix. Uh, I've also created a show called Another Life that's also on Netflix right now, so watch it if you haven't. Um, yeah, I've been writing in Canada for 20 years. We started together on Degrassi. We did, yeah. We cast Drake. And uh, yeah, we did. We did. We, <laughs> cast. we shot cast and shot him. Um, and yeah, so I, I have a career that spans teen television to chopping people up. Nice. Um, I'm trying to add up how many years I've been in television. I think it beats you. Uh, I think I've been. <laughs> uh, my name's Jackie May. I've been writing on TV in Canada for about 30 years. Um, I've written all kinds of different uh, shows. Right now, I'm a writer and executive producer on Van Helsing that's on uh, Netflix. Um, and I wrote an episode for Another Life for Aaron's show. So yes, uh, please watch. Um, and I've worked with both of these guys. Aaron actually gave me my very first job in one hour, as a matter of fact. He didn't know that at the time. He thought I had more experience. Um, and uh, I've worked with James on a show called The Listener that uh, was not horror at all. Hi, everyone. I'm JP. Uh, I have two years of writing experience in Canadian television. Um, I worked on Slasher, uh, Slasher season three, and I work, I'm work, currently working on Another Life uh, in development on the first season and in development on the second season. And uh, prior to that, I was doing a lot of reality television show casting and development. So if you like the Property Brothers, I can tell you lots about them. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about uh, some other writing you guys have done. So you know, why don't we start there? Like um, you've all written in different forms and um, even Jackie, you've written features. JP, you're, uh, you've uh, journalist yeah. uh, also. So why horror? What attracts you guys to horror? Um, I was a really big fan of The Walking Dead. Uh, not so much in the last few seasons, um, but very much so at the beginning. And when Van Helsing came along, it was kind of, I would joke, the biting dead that uh, it had a lot of kind of connective tissue there. And so that's sort of what drew me to it. I had written scary things before, but never actually, you know, as horrific as Van Helsing. Um, the feature that I wrote is called Siblings, which is about a bunch of kids who accidentally killed their parents kind of on purpose. Um, but it was a dark comedy. Um, and what I was surprised to find actually in the Van Helsing room is that I went further than people expected uh, me to go when it came to things that were horrific. And, and, and frankly, I think further than they thought women would go. Um, and so I kind of discovered it in the room. I was, I was hired, I think, as the, as, well, as the female writer and also as the drama writer. Um, but I kind of discovered this uh, love of thinking, well, how can I make that worse? How can I, <laughs> how can I make that situation even worse uh, for everyone involved? And uh, I continue to enjoy doing that. Um, 
I don't think it's cathartic. I think it's, for, for me, I was going to say as well, I think the line between comedy and horror can be very fine. And so for me, I like staying on the horror side of that um, to get it, to be really scared. Uh, for me, I think it's, well, I started more from a true crime perspective. I think that that's just largely because my parents are crazy and so they made me very scared of the man in the van. Uh, and then as a result of that, I, um, I don't know, I think for me, what always attracted me to horror, in the same way actually with comedy and speaking to that fine line, is that there are very clear expectations around what that genre is and how it's executed. And some of the first books that I fell in love with were Stephen King novels, um, just because they brought something out in me, right? Like, and you would read something, and it would, it would, you would have a visceral reaction to it. In the same way, if you see a comedy, you would laugh. Like, you would feel creeping dread or horror. Um, so for me, it was always a way to kind of um, to be able to write in horror is is exciting because it's engaging directly with that dread, right? Engaging directly with that impulse. You're getting a, a direct response out of people, right? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, I was uh, I was thinking the other day that in the production meeting for the show, the last uh, episode, it's not out yet, that was really horrific that I wrote, looking around, you could see people doing this, like as they were trying to figure out how to actually execute that horrible thing, <laughs> that uh, the professionals around the table were already feeling that dread and feeling, uh, I don't want to have to go here in my mind. Um, so that's when you know you're on the right track. You're on the right track. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of which, um, I'll direct this question to Aaron, who uh, I've known for a long time. Uh, you know, Aaron um, is a writer, creator, showrunner of, of uh, some shows like, let's say, Being Erica, that was, um, although had a fantastical element, was very grounded. Uh, you've written a lot of character-driven drama series where characters struggle with emotional issues, but in Slasher, your characters struggle with issues like being vivisected, uh, being locked in a raging furnace and slowly cooking to death, or having one's face smashed into a toilet bowl full of sulfuric acid, or having one's ankle tied to a heavy object which is then thrown to the bottom of a lake, um, etc. So, so what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at Degrassi, it was it was a bit of a horror high school where every horrible thing could ever happen to you happened. <laughs> so uh, maybe it started there, but I, I um, for me, I. I got into horror because I'd done shows like Being Erica and Degrassi and Saving Hope and then a show called um, The Best Years, which were very much soapy, very uh, emotional, very nice shows. And I, I got bored and I was like, I have to show that I can do something else. And I grew up in the 80s, at least I was a teenager in the 80s, and right when movies like Friday the 13th and Halloween and all those uh, initial slasher movies were coming out, it was me coming of age and you know you would watch them and you would be horrified by them and so i took that and i took my love of agatha christie and i made slasher into like a combination of slasher movies and a mystery because we you know you if you're doing a, a series as opposed to a movie you have to be able to fill a lot of screen time with things that aren't chopping people up uh, for a couple of reasons. One is it's just prohibitively expensive to do that. And another thing is you need to create drama in and around characters who you're watching being killed so that you can keep an audience watching for more than one episode. Interesting. And for all you guys, when you're coming up with kills, what's that process like? It's the most fun. 
It's <laughs> because it's ridiculous. You're like thinking, you just think about the most awful way you can kill people. And usually it becomes funny and you're laughing about it because it's just so dumb, but, but also great. So, and I, and there's somebody in my writing room named Lucy Paget who comes up with the worst kills every year. And like in season one of Slasher, she has, her idea was for a woman to be basically paralyzed in a field and have honey poured over her body and then get eaten by vermin. And she's like this nice French Canadian Catholic woman who comes up with <laughs> terrible kills and the sweetest person. She's so sweet, but terrifying. So don't ever get in her, her bad spot, uh, bad side. Um, I kind of look around the room that the scene's going to be in or, you know, look at the, I kind of put myself in the place and try to figure out what the worst weapon I, I like things that kind of start spontaneously. So if someone's going to kill someone, they've just decided to do it, or um, the vampire just came in, so they had no chance. So they have to figure out how to kill things with, uh, you know, whatever is at hand. Uh, I use that. On Van Helsing, the the first one that I wrote, um, I was describing how the first vampire bit someone, and then that person bit two people, and then you know. So I was writing that scene where. You know, it kind of went off in this viral way. And uh, when you're first bitten on the show, um, you collapse and then you and then you wake up as a vampire at some predetermined amount of time uh, that we mess around with. Uh, so all of these people that were bitten would then come back up. And so I came up with a mom with a baby in a snuggly and that, yeah, that of course, she would devour the contents of the of the snuggly. That's not weird. Um, so in just in that way, you know, that that kill just came from thinking, well, who would be on the street? You know, who would be walking down the street? People trying to evacuate, sure, but other people who didn't know the news yet. And so that's how the woman with the snuggly um, came about. So, yeah, I just Very kind of practical tried. approach. Yeah, it is kind of a practical approach. I, I, I just put myself in the situation and then try to figure out what the worst the worst thing you could see. How about you, JP? Well, I feel like I spend most of my day just like looking around me being like, that could kill me. That could kill me. <laughs> that probably could kill me too. Um, so that, yeah, Jackie could kill me. Um, so I feel like that's where that starts. Uh, but also too, like, I mean, it's funny because I mean, I do think that that's actually where it does start. But then in the episode of Slasher that I wrote, um, my boyfriend and I, we were watching it. And um, initially, sorry, I should backtrack a bit. There was a kill, like a kill list that we watched at the premiere where it was like all the kills in a row. Um, so we had no idea whose kill came from what episode. And my boyfriend was with me. And then when the kill played, he was like, that was your kill, wasn't it? And it's like kind of a weirdly sexual kill. So I was like, <laughs> so I was like, there's something free in here probably that's going on as well. Um, was this an early date or? <laughs> no, no, no. Thank God it wasn't. Okay, good. <laughs> You're stuck now. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's it's a combination of those two things. It's probably like deep seated weird psychological stuff combined with a fear of just about everything around me every day. <laughs> I can relate. And we, in, in Slasher, we often tie the kill into a thematic reason. Like in your episode of Slasher, we have a, we have a great scene where a, a gay guy gets to turn, uh, you tell it, but you wrote it. It's an awesome moment. Well, thanks, Aaron. You're welcome. Um, it, it was Aaron's idea, I will say, but, uh, <laughs> but I, did, um, I did write the episode. Uh, it was an episode about... Um, 
I guess, about karma and about uh, how things can come back to, to haunt you. So it was a uh, young gay man leaving the bar and, and he's uh, had a disappointing night and uh, feeling, I think, maybe a, a bit of a personal crisis in his life. And uh, this, um, I see my kids back there, so I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> oh. choose my words carefully, although of course they've heard me say asshole before, but uh, a homophobic um, a-hole uh, comes across him and uh, and it was, you know, confrontation and, um, and our hero dispatches this guy in a very, very brutal way and very bloody way. But, uh, um, but it was, I have to admit, I felt very, uh, uh, it, it was, um, what's the word? It was sort of liberating, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of, um, and, and I think also in that episode too, it was to do about uh, homophobia and, and tackling some of those issues, which is something I know I, I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of Chuck Klosterman. He's a, a media writer and he wrote an article on horror that I thought was really interesting. And he said, horror turns what scares us into ideas. And that's the point. In other words, horror is all about the underlying message. You know, going back to, of course, um, I'm sure you guys all have heard of George Romero and Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Um, I think we all know as horror fans that horror can be such a great vehicle for exploring social problems and ideas. How do you guys feel? And certainly, I mean, Slasher is, is, is one of the, is, is a terrific version of that. And, and Ben Helsing also takes on a lot of these issues. So I wonder if you guys could talk a bit about that. Well, season three of Slasher, we really uh, lent into that. And it's, it's really about what happens when a society stops caring about uh, each other. And it's based on something that actually happened in the 1950s where a woman in New York City was murdered and a whole group of people around let it happen. They just ignored it and she got, and they could have saved her so many times and they didn't. So that's kind of the, the starting off point for the season. And through that, we just, we used the slasher genre to explore everything from Islamophobia to homophobia to uh, white supremacy and just, and just put it in the pressure cooker of uh, an urban environment, which is so much of what the world feels like right now, where everything has been polarized and everyone hates each other and there's just so much anger. And so we really, we really made that the focus of the season so that it wasn't just about killing people, it was also us talking about these other issues. Well, the, the kind of underlying theme of Van Helsing is what is it to be human? Um, because uh, the premise of it is that uh, Vanessa Van Helsing can bite vampires and turn them human again. So one of my favorite characters is Flesh, um, who, when we first meet him, is a really horrible vampire who's trying to kill Vanessa. She bites him, he turns back. And, and, I, and I actually wrote the scene where after he seems to be dead, they throw him in the old garbage chute of the hospital where they've been throwing all the kills. And he comes back up, of course, covered in all the goo and gore from what he would have fallen into and is kind of reburst out of the garbage chute. Um, and I know I should have used that clip. Um, and, and you know, just sort of slithers all over the floor. And he's this really, really uh, lovely actor, Vince Gal. And, um, so throughout the series, I keep coming back to that character because it also asks the question, how can you become human again after you know you've done such horrible things? Which I think is kind of where we have to be 
in this, speaking to what you were just saying, that at a certain point there's got to be a you know forgiveness and reconciliation where we decide that we're not going to hate the other side as much as we did, but we're going to have to forgive what they said on Twitter. Um, and uh, so yeah, so that's what. But but for me, it's also about the women in the show. You know, I really try to, and this is the clip that I chose. Chose so turning the women um, away from just being kind of sexy uh, kills to uh, fighting back and using their smarts and figuring out how to overcome the situation. Uh, so yeah, so those are the two things that I try to kind of keep in mind. Cool. Uh, JP, in your episode of Slasher, which is very good. Thank uh, you. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> Well, well, okay. <laughs> did you write a slasher? He did. He oh, did, and it was very good. A character says, when we dress up as zombies and ghouls, we are giving death a big F you. He actually says the word. Um, and I was really struck by that. It seemed to be a bigger statement. Mm. Can you talk about that? Well, I mean, I think it's about confronting your fears, right? And being able to... I mean, I think the horror genre allows you to synthesize much bigger, scarier ideas within the world, things that we're confronted with that we can't easily reduce. Um, we can take it into this nice genre and kind of like turn it into a ghoul or a monster or whatever, and then win, right? Fight against it and win. And, um, and I think that in this particular case, it's like, you know, we don't have to be scared of those larger things because we can inhabit those roles and fight against it, right? And so for me, that's kind of what that was. And the characters also, also too, I mean, there are the layers to that of the fact that we're not even sure necessarily within the characters who's an actual monster or not, right? So it's like, there's a mystery element as well to that, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, Jackie, you just mentioned um, the genre of horror. You know, we all know that it has a radical potential, right? Um, but we also know that it's a big genre and there's lots of subgenres. but you know, when you go through, you do see a lot of, uh, people of color, women, um, gays get murdered, uh, and seem to be the first ones sometimes. Um, and yet there's also the potential for, for having, you know, shows that have a, a really good social agenda. So how do you, you know, how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> Aaron has no feelings about that. I, um, I, think, <laughs> I have lots of feelings. About that. You have lots of feelings about that. Well, I just—I mean, my feeling about it is that it's—it's uh, you, you just take what has been done for decades and you flip it on its head and you start letting gay people not die. <laughs> what a novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> or let or let people of color actually be um, the perpetrators because you don't often see that as well. It's it's uh, oftentimes they're like you said they're the first ones who are just killed off and or they play a comedic role or whatever and you just have to you just have to take what's been done a thousand million times and then make it better. Yeah, no, I I I I totally agree in that you you find a way to get them to own it in a way, you know, that you give the genre to those people who have only been put into the genre um, in these little predetermined little slots that suddenly they can be any part of that they're genre. objects. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's mostly making sure 
that my female characters um, use all the tools in the toolbox that a male character might use. How do you do these uh, these these great kills with great effects? How do you do it on a with uh, maybe a little less money than some of your bigger shows? Not as well. Not as well. We have this in, in Slasher. What we do is we shoot all eight episodes at once, so we shoot it like a giant movie. And when you do that, you got a bunch of savings. Um, and so what we do is we we put those savings. Like we make sure we spend our money wisely, and we spend our money on the kills because they're the. It's like if you uh, if you had like a dancing show, you'd want to put the money on the dance sequences. We put it into the kills, and so um, I know dancing, killing, and um, so we. And it's also about knowing what you can and can't pull off, and that's something you learn just by doing it. Um, and a lot of blood helps too. <laughs> blood can blood can cover a lot of gross stuff and just make it look better. We the the first production meeting of Van Helsing it went on and on about whether we should buy it in bulk. Um, you know who might make it for us? Whether we had kind you know the kind that goes in your mouth compared to the kind that doesn't go in your mouth, the kind that's just a gel you know that you can throw and it looks like a puddle. We talk about blood a lot. Um, wow. And whether or not it's CGI, whether well, or not CGI, it's practical. Yeah. Because I, I personally find practical way better. It just it, Practical with a little bit of CGI helping you, but making sure you do the base practically. The problem we have, now we're going to talk about blood for a long time again. Um, the problem we have in Van Helsing is because we also have a lot of fighting at the oh. same time, is that as soon as someone gets stabbed and you've got blood on the floor, yeah, that would You've be got different. blood on the floor, and that's just going to get tracked all over the place, and you're shooting all day. And so, yeah, a lot of the time we have to go for the not-as-good-looking uh, fake gel throws. Um, but, I mean, this is – I actually really still enjoy this part of the process, and you all get together, all of the department heads, in a big production meeting, and as you come to each kill, you talk about how are we going to do this, how can we afford this. Something we found, which is really surprising – given how many slasher movies there's been, is that it's you don't really see stabbings happen on screen. It's always just below the frame. So when we show the clip that we're going to show, I was really adamant that the first time we see a stabbing, I wanted to see something come right through somebody. And when you start doing that, you realize how hard it is. And that's why like, like a movie The Strangers, which is one of my favorite scary horror movies the all the the killing is below the frame you never see actual stabbing happening is it uh, the sound that sells it's it it's the sound it's the actor and and it's their reaction but it's not you don't actually see the stabbing happening and if you look at um halloween all these movies it doesn't happen in camera mm -hmm. we we again we try to do one on screen every once in a while just so that everyone doesn't get hip to us you yeah. know the fact that we just keep pushing, or you know, we love to 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 blow up a head in a car. Who doesn't? So, yeah, so that so then you just have blood splashing all over from on the windshield. You know, you just go to the outside, and so yeah, we have tons of tricks around how we can shoot around it. But but like you, we have to fight every once in a while to, yeah. you know, we really want to see that head blow up. Um, and and we're gonna do it for reals this time. Yeah. Do you? How do you guys um, top yourselves? Season to season. Um, you just go deep into your creepy side and you just keep thinking of, like I was, I mean, the first episode of season three of Slasher, which I wrote, I really wanted to see somebody's head get chopped off. And so, because why not? And uh, you had to, we, I, we cast a bald guy because I knew that hair is terrible on fake heads. 
So, oh, <laughs> so there's that thing. And then, and then I wanted to see the mean girl, which I always love writing, uh, get her face eaten by acid. So I just thought of why, you know, how do you make a, how do you, how would you kill a mean girl the worst way? And I was thinking toilet bowl of acid, toilet bowl full of acid. Yeah. Wow. So that's how you keep, you just keep thinking of weird ways to kill people. Slasher is yeah. ridiculous that way. Like, I mean, it might not be the same when you're doing vampires. I'm not sure, but no, we're just no, like, I think of weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think of weird and different. I'm trying to think of one right now. What, what we did last season. Um, but yeah, we keep coming up with because you can only just chase get chased around by a vampire so much. Yeah. You know, you've got to. So is it, for us, it's like the vampires just kill the same way. It's how you kill the vampire that has to become more and more. Um, creative and gruesome or like in the the or just how you encounter them because there's also the idea of suspense and dread you know it's not just the kill it's the dread of the kill yeah so in the first season I had an episode where there might be the swimming kind down there in this kind of half sunken ferry so the guy's got to go under water in there and the and the person up is just feeling the rope go you know, so sometimes it's just the kind of dread of what's under there, what's under the surface of the yeah. water, what's in the next room, yeah, that we use as well. Interesting. Um, I imagine we have a few uh, uh, writers here, people who might want to write horror. Um, what uh, kind of advice could you guys give? You've all had, you know, unique paths towards horror, but. Um, yeah, what would you say to emerging writers who are interested in this genre? Um, I think you need to, because there's such a wide field of it now and it's so popular, you have to do something that stands out and feels different. Um, and you have to do something that uh, isn't just a ripoff of something that's currently there. Right, right. Or take something that's currently there and totally reinvents it. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, it just, it seems, yeah, you, ha you have to write something really fresh and really that comes from you. Um, and I guess I'm just saying the same thing that Aaron's saying, because it's just, it's so hard to break in. Um, and you don't have anything other than that. All, all you have to shop at the beginning is an idea. You, you don't. You don't have your experience, you don't have the shows you've been on before, you don't have the friends who've worked with you before, so you've just got to have this this kind of great idea. And you've got to be a good person. It hasn't stopped me. JD. <laughs> uh, you, you were nice at the beginning. Uh, I would say it's, it's actually a really exciting time in horror right now, because <laughs> I feel like with all of these big budget, kind of like Marvel movies, there seems to be a lot of excitement around like, smaller budgeted independently led horror films um and obviously in the vein of like a get out or a ma where it's kind of like there's like a social issue component that can be explored but i mean really building on what you guys were saying it has to be motivated by a very specific pov and that has to i think authentically be yours right because that's what's going to be the most interesting and scary and informed by your own stuff um, but I do think it's kind of an exciting time in horror to enter in now because there is this opportunity in that genre to tell stories that I think aren't really happening in the other genres. Like, there's no more romantic comedies anymore. And like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like yeah. you, you can 
do some fun stuff in horror that and there's I some think. movies like midsummer for example that almost blend art oh yeah almost yeah um is that something that you guys feel that there's potential on tv to to get a little bit more um i mean we do there are i guess so-called you know premium horror um do you think that's uh, an emerging thing i mean it's uh, obviously um what's his name american horror story ryan, Murphy. ryan murphy's doing it everywhere um it's it's hard to say it, it it's uh it's up here in Canada, it's not like there's a definite home for it. Uh, Netflix would be the way to go up here for television. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to say. It's and you're also it's hard to compete with Ryan Murphy's. I'm sure he's got like twenty million dollar in episode budgets, and we don't have that. No. So you have to really figure out. That's where you have to know what you can and can't pull off, um, and how to make a show stand out. So you're not just relying on the horror and on the kills. Something else that makes it stand out. Uh, that, that is easy to pull off and not expensive to pull off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was that really cre creepy movie, The Witch. Did you see The Witch? No? You, oh, you should see I, it. It's great. It's amazing. Um, and it's, it's, it, it's a Canadian writer. Uh, I, don't ha I don't know how we lost it, basically, how we lost it to the UK. Um, but other than the, the goat um, that I think required some CGI, you know, that that wasn't always a real goat. It, 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 there's no, it's not a particularly expensive idea no. um, and beautifully shot. And I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't call it horror, um, which it was kind of marketed as horror when actually it's just like super creepy. It just like gets under your skin creepy. Um, and you can do that uh, w without, a lot, a lot of bells of and whistles. Right. Yeah, you can do that well with a really good cinematographer yeah. and a fantastic editor. Well, speaking of, of um, these things, great horror. Uh, we have some clips we'd like to show you guys. We asked uh, Aaron and Jackie to pick um, two scenes from their series, two of their favorites. Um, let's start with, uh, with Aaron, with Slasher. Um, anything you want to say to set it up? Uh, this is the first opening scene, basically, of the first season, and it's me getting all of my Halloween, the original Halloween fun out and stabbing somebody through the body. I love the slip on the blood. <laughs> yeah, the slip on the blood's cool. It was horrible when we watched it. Blood is very slippy. It's very slippery. Well, she was supposed to slip. But it was, it was scripted, yeah. of course. But we didn't think it would be that awful. Because it's, it's a pregnant woman, it's terrible. <laughs> And can you explain, uh, so great kill, how, so how, how is that, how do you do that? The uh, it was a nightmare. It was just, it took hours and hours and hours and you start with a fake knife and then you go, you have somebody holding a fake torso and then you, there's, we had this thing where that you could, it was like a zipper on his shirt and you could pull it open and it was, it would open up. So that would be the practical. And then we and then we inserted the the um, knife edge, like the blade that comes out of CGI. So that's where we couldn't we couldn't actually do that one. You can't stab people for now. You can't no. stab through their body. And then we bad. just uh, we just kept adding blood and CGI to it to make it look as close as we could on our budget, like it was real. Wow, yeah. amazing. What? Why did it work? <laughs> Why did that work? Why did oh, why did the scene work? Well, I mean, for me, it was about the the you, the minute that guy comes up to your door with a black hood on his head, you know something bad's going to happen, and I wanted to try to 
make it extend as long as possible before the actual kill happened. And suspension is um, suspense is is as much in, uh, as important in horror as the actual kills. Um, and then the the fa the falling pregnant woman I thought would just be horrible, so that's why <laughs> that's why I added it. Then she gets the baby cut out of her, so it's even. Worse. I know. I was surprised you didn't continue to the the. Oh, that that we do another episode shows it in a different. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen. No, I've seen the show. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen the show. But that, I mean, that's. A, I mean, that that happens to people, which is the grossest thing. Like, there's been multiple women who've had their babies cut out of them. Oh, good. And it's like that was again. It was trying to take something that was real and put it into a show because it's such a horrible thing in reality. And then we put it in the show, and All right there you go. There you go. There you go. Wow. Well, uh, Jack. We have a scene you've selected from Van Helsing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, this isn't like my favorite scene or anything, but it was sort of, I thought, a kind of quick demonstration of what I was talking about, that it's a, she's just fallen through a trap door and landed on a hook. Um, and so rather than screaming for help, which I have cut out of scripts many times, our female heroes do not cry for help. They help other people. Um, uh, so this was just sort of a quick look at something that, it, you know, how to try to make it as dreadful as possible. But yeah, that was, that was also uh, hard. Uh, first of all, the, the trap existed, but we didn't find out until the day before we started shooting that they wouldn't let us open it up to the roof. So uh, we had to, in the previous scene, had to figure out how to CGI her coming through the roof. Wow. Um, which involved, so that's just like an insert, you know, so we just shot her coming through a trap literally just outside, her feet coming through, um, and pieced it together that way, with, with the, her extraordinary stunt double, Holly, who, you know, did a lot of that, um, the actual falls. Wow. Yeah, the actual falls. And who directed that episode, Jackie? I directed that episode, James. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And that was the, I believe the first, was that the first episode you directed for Van Helsing? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first, uh, that's the first one hour drama that I've directed. Right. Yeah. And how was that experience? It was good. It was, you know, it's terrifying. It's, um, it's kind of, it, you know, I'm an executive producer on set a lot. So you're, you, it's an environment that you get very used to mm -hmm. and real time, um, you know, not arguments in the in the most uh, friendly of manners about whether we have time to move on or whether we have to cut something or so you're used to dealing with these sort of things or actors that you know don't like the scene and want you to rewrite it you know immediately all, all of those sort of things that you're kind of used to so strangely enough the sort of the biggest obstacle for me was not having having anyone that was me I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have another producer writer on set. So I really felt the lack of that. You're um, looking over your shoulder for Jackie. Well, yeah, it's like, can you please talk to this actress? Um, no, and, oh, I have to and, do that. Uh, yeah, well, I go do this. So what I really kind of ran into is that, well, I'm talking to the actress. I come back and the DPs put the camera in, 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 a, in a place of his choosing, um, you know, because you can't be in two places at the same time. So. Yeah, the short answer was it, it. I really didn't find it all that much of a, a big transition um, in that sense, uh, but it made me kind of realize why writers have been put on set as producers. 
I always kid that it's because someone figured out that you can teach a writer how to be a producer, but you can't teach a producer how to write. Um, but that it, it really made me feel the importance of, of that role. Some shows really embrace that, having a writer producer there. And, yeah, yeah, um, to the extent of like, can I go home now? Like that they, I think directors are embracing it more and more, wanting to actually have that person there to shoulder the burden. And I think that's something that um, is evolving and I think also people are becoming aware of it because a lot of times people think, well, you're just a writer, so you just sit in your office and just come up with something. But no, you know, TV writing is very much about producing it, very much about executing it. Um, I mean, maybe uh, Aaron, you can talk a little bit about being the showrunner and, and creator of a, of a series like, you know, how how is that? Uh, you know, you dreamed up Slasher and then it goes for three seasons and, and hopefully more. Uh, how, how would you define that role, like talking about show running? Um, my it's a big question. It's a big question. Um, yeah, for me, show running is about making sure that I let people do their jobs, but that every creative decision at some point comes through me. And that doesn't mean that I'm telling them what to do, but it, it means that they're they're making my vision happen. So uh, everything from the look of the show to uh, how we're in slashers, for example, how we're killing people and how much we get on screen. It was very much, um, especially for season one of Slasher, it was very much about me being up in Sudbury where we shot it and making sure that we could pull off everything I wanted to pull off and meaning that meant that I had to rewrite on the fly a lot. Um, which So the job is, as a showrunner is about making sure really at the end of the day that what you want to create can be afforded and shot within your limits. Interesting. Well, um, hopefully you guys have some uh, questions for our wonderful panel here. Uh, we don't have a microphone, so if you just want to stand up and yell them, and I'll repeat it into the mic. If uh, uh, don't be shy. Any questions? Oh, yes, yeah, right there. Um, oh, I'm just going to repeat the question so we can um, record it. Uh, the question was um, about anthologies and uh, does it make it easier? Do horror anthologies make it easier for a long running series? I think there's, in terms of practical monetary things, it, there is a, there's a big savings in that you're not you're not optioning actors. That's a huge one in that you're every season's its own standalone entity and you can you can cut down costs a lot by not having to keep the same actors every year. Uh, so in terms of that, yeah. Um, it's also very much uh, anthology binging is very much a um, what the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazons of the world want. They want you to be creating shows that you sit down and watch, hopefully watch all eight to ten episodes at once. And I think that's a lot easier to do if it's an anthology because you can literally jump in at any season. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, over there. Um, I was just going to say, in terms of like specific horror genres, uh, what kind of genres do you all think that Canada does particularly well like, within like, sub-genres of horror? So the question was, uh, in the horror umbrella, there are many sub-genres. Which sub-genre does Canadian do we do well? Why, why are you? <laughs> 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 um, 
Oh, man. I, like, I mean, I feel like Canadian horror tends to have a, a certain self-awareness to it, a comedic self-awareness to it. Like, even going back to, like, Black Christmas to a certain That's degree. Funny, I was thinking Black Christmas. Right? Like, yeah, Black all the way sure. back there, um, I just think that there's it's part of Canadian character to, to have a bit of tongue-in-cheek, and I feel like that definitely comes through in horror, Canadian horror, I would say. I feel like also, like, I, I think that we were up against Scream, the series, and and like whatever, like who, whichever series is better or not better, whatever. But the one thing that I did see a lot of was people saying, "Why are they? Why are the kills so much more disgusting on slasher than on these other shows?" And I think that's kind of a Canadian thing where you can. There's not the same kind of moral limitation on things, and we did. I mean, on Degrassi, it was the same thing. We were doing stuff that. <laughs> You know, we were doing blowjob parties in the ravine. Not really your teen, yeah, teen scripts. We're not talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we were at, at our breaks. We would go to. Yeah, we were younger then. But I think that yeah, I think the Canadian horror, just as a Canadian thing in general, you're allowed to push the envelope more because we don't have the the moralistic, weird religious the puritanical yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a very interesting point because I think. Oh, Jackie, please go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to reference Black Christmas as well. Um, though I, when I first saw that film as a kid, I don't think I saw any tongue-in-cheek. I was terrified. Like, I was just totally, totally terrified. And mesmerized by Margot Kidder's foul language. Like, I think I found that kind of more shocking than the, than the dry-cleaning bag over the head. But, um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Interesting. Good question. <laughs> oh, yeah, more in the back. Um, I, either one of you guys, don't fight, don't fight. <laughs> oh, great, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in the, in the way that I was talking about flesh, Sam, you know, I wrote a lot of Sam. And uh, Chris Heyerdahl is, 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 you know, just so fantastic to write for. Um, and is, is very invested in that character as well. Um, so for, for, for Sam, the thing that really drew me is the fact that he is incredibly human before he is uh, killed and that he has always been a killer. So, you know, I, I was adamant that when we told his childhood story, it led the viewer to believe, oh, he had a horrible, horrible father, and that's what made him a horrible, horrible child. Um, when actually it's revealed that, no, his father was like beating him because he once again had tortured a cat to death and didn't know, was beside himself about what to do about it. Um, but so, so with that whole character, I just kept playing with that idea that he is human and at the same time, he believes that he's an apex predator. <laughs> and that as humans, we have to accept that that is a part of our DNA and that I really think a lot of us are, you know, three or four days away in hunger from, you know, at least killing the neighbor's dog that 
you know, we may not go so far as to kill the neighbor in three or four days, but we don't have to be hungry for very long. And none of us really know that. I mean, there used to be the phrase, oh, he doesn't know what it is to be hungry. None of us do now. And, and so with him, I, I sort of, that's where I drew uh, most of Sam from, is the idea that he just hasn't kind of lost that. that. And he thinks it's right. He, he thinks it's being the, the, the best version of him. Interesting. Um, but I'm not a psycho killer. <laughs> you just play one on TV. I just, I just write one on TV, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man. Um, I was wondering, where do you start when you're about to write your script, and what do you think you need to prepare as far as the story goes? Like, what are so the question was, where do you start when you're about to write a script, and how much preparation? What do you need to prepare? Uh, I mean, there's a such a big process that you, you start with an outline. You start with, like, a story idea. I mean, how it works in TV is you usually have a writing room and then you're batting around ideas and you're figuring out the shape of the series and then you divide it into the, the episodes. And then so it starts big, really broad. This is the season. And then you this is each episode. And then you have to know what each episode's about. And then you from there, you make the plot. And then from once you have that done as an outline, then you can start writing the script. But it's, it's a huge, long process that involves so many people weighing in and giving notes. Um, and then somebody takes it from you and rewrites it. <laughs> um, Were you, sorry, I just want to, uh, um, Spider-Man, are you asking um, about like your own script? That's what I, that's oh, what, that's where I was going to okay. jump in, yeah. Yeah. Do you mean you mean like you're writing episodes of established series or are you writing your own your own story? Well, I probably have a different answer than than you two. I don't know because I, I started in theater and then I then I started making short films. And then I wrote a, a, a series, a, a feature that I didn't direct, should have, and then um, uh, went on to television from there. So for me, actually making those short films, uh, I mean, do, doing the theater informed making the short films, but doing the short films made me have to take on every role that I now have the luxury of having an enormous uh, team that are going to help me through that. But actually, you know, going to Goodwill and getting your own costumes and finding the people who are going to be in it and figuring out how to get that permit and renting those vans and who's gonna cut this goddamn thing and will you shoot it and will Kodak, oh, I'm dating myself, will Kodak <laughs> give you the film? Um, uh, makes you actually learn how your story works that you're not writing a story in the same way that you're writing a novel, you're writing a blueprint for something that's going to be shot. And so even if it's just on your iPhone with your friends, if you go through those steps and actually you will learn so much about filmmaking because we're, we're, you know, we're writers, yes, but we're working with a team of filmmakers who have all just realized, well, you know, that guy could also be a director. He just happens to be a good cinematographer. Like, it's kind of like musicians, you know, they can pick up lots of different instruments. Anyway, 
that's that would be my is advice is to actually make it um, and put it together and you will learn so much. Well, I, I would, I'm sorry, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, for me, I actually got into scripted writing by doing a web series for myself and kind of learning, going self-producing and walking through that process. Um, and I think something that also helped me alongside that, I mean, depending on what um, kind of like what media medium you want to approach, I always think that like I took screenwriting classes and kind of like got the form down because I feel like even with even if you have a ton of story ideas, once you understand the structure, the bones of a story, it helps you so much. So I feel like those two things together, I would say like understanding like in whatever way you can, you know, getting the form down and then self-producing and getting out there um, in whatever way you can is, is incredibly helpful. And, and I think yeah. with form, there's also something like watch your favorite show and deconstruct three episodes. Oh, I yeah. that too. It's yeah, such it's a great. It's so like I remember when I was at the Canyon Film Center, one of our things we had to do was uh, and I, Buffy was my favorite show and I deconstructed three episodes and you see just how the you see the formula of the show and it just really helps you. It really helped me realize, oh, it's not just my fun show I love. It's actually got a very clear formula to it. A bit of a complicated form, yeah. formula to it. No, I did that with. Uh, I was still trying to write. Um, uh, uh, I was trying to write my first movie of the week, and I rented um, from the gentleman who ended up being my husband uh, at Suspect Video um, the absolutely true story of the Texas cheerleader murdering mom. And I just, which I think was HBO's first right. Holly movie Hunter. with Holly Hunter. And I just watched it until I wrecked it for myself. You know, I just watched it until I could see every turn they made, every little thing that they did to say, look over here, look over here. Um, and then started writing my first MOW, which I think was a 76 page outline. Wow. Se yeah, CBC was not happy with that. 70, no. 70, <laughs> 76 page outline, yeah. And uh, Spider-Man, also Uncle Ben, I'm, I'm really sorry that he's passed on. He was a great man. But I was going to add that um, also reading scripts, uh, I think, is really one of the best things you can do. Although maybe not answering your question, but I think there's a lot of you can get scripts all over the Internet now. And reading them is a very different experience than watching. So I think that's a great uh, thing for writers. We have time for one more question. My friend right here has one. The, the, the question was, oh, so sorry. Uh, the question was, which comes first, the budget or story? Uh, you have to come up with, like, they can't really budget something until you have a story. So you need to, you need to really have a script before you can figure out how much it's going to cost to make. And then what happens is they, this is your budget, and you have to then make the script make sense for that budget. Yeah. But, but it is, it's, I like this part too. It's kind of, you ha as a writer, you, you learn how much, you start to learn how much things cost. So you start to realize, like when I did a Western, I found out that it was cheaper to get a guy who fell off the horse than a guy who stayed on, uh, which was counterintuitive to me. But it's like, I, you know, the horse wrangler is like, I can get any 25-year-old kid to fall off a horse. Um, but if you want that horse to keep bucking and going crazy and the kid to stay on it, I got to pull someone out of the rodeo circuit. So you, you start just learning bit by bit, you know, that having the car 
you know, spin in a circle, I found out was really expensive because you never know where the car's going to go. They just grease the, unless you build a turntable, they just grease the, the, the roads. So you have to buy junker cars and line each side so it doesn't end up in the Starbucks, you know, so it can smash it. So you, 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 you pick up these things show after show after show so you actually have some idea whether you are writing something that costs an enormous amount of money or whether, or whether you're not. And it changes with CGI, suddenly something that was really expensive, like a vivisection. Um, <laughs> vivisection is still surprisingly really expensive. Who Anyone who's been on a medical show yeah, um, creating the body, like all, yeah. the, all the layers of the body are really expensive. Yeah, it's yeah. really expensive. So it, you, and, and in our, unfortunately for us, when we did it in Strange Empire, we had already cast this enormous guy. Cool. So we couldn't rent a torso. Yeah, yeah that was going to, that was going to fit him. And we had to build it. $20,000. Wow. It's expensive to rent a torso, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kill the person before you cut them open. That's all I'm saying. It's much That's cheaper. the thing. Much these cheaper. are these are. This has been tales from the script keepers. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you. <laughs>